welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm here. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. This is the second podcast now, coming off after a win. Granted, it's the same win, but we'll take anything we can get. Um, so very exciting to be a Browns fan all of a sudden. So very exciting. Uh, the Sin of Our Fathers is brought to you by Barbasol. The new Barbasol Shave Club featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor. Barbasol is the brand that has been trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close and comfortable shave. If you visit Barbasol.com, you can join the Shave Club today. Use discount code BROWNS at checkout to receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. That's only through the Sin of Our Fathers podcast that you get that discount BROWNS to get $2 off your initial shave kit order that was That's so good it was so smooth until right at the very end i didn't i just paused at an awkward spot not gonna lie <laughs> sorry barbasol <laughs> can't do it perfect every time not a professional just love the browns um what did you guys think about our win this week the jacks i know we had uh emergency pod and immediate reaction but any new thoughts since then what, what is the narrative, what is the storyline that has uh, most stuck out to you since that win? Oh, I've just been trying to enjoy it. The fact that like I've seen mock drafts come out and we're currently slotted at like number 18 in the draft feels kind of <laughs> weird. The fact that like there's like, you know, with the one one and one really puts us in a pretty like decent position to compete and do something if we want to. Yeah. Um, it. It's good. I, I just am trying to enjoy the win. It's been so long. I'm just trying to bask in it. That's all. I was hoping we got a little bit worse of a showing from our AFC North friends than we did this weekend. Yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. We're at halftime right now on the Monday night game. Since he lost. Since he did lose, which is which great. Which makes them more at, attainable. They're I mean, sitting they're at the top 2-1 yeah. now instead of 3-0, which is big. Um it was bizarre. I'm sure everybody else had this experience, but it was bizarre sitting and watching football on Sunday, not watching the Browns, but also having this like strange sense of like accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, when I woke up on Sunday morning, I already felt good because I knew it was a Browns W. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, like I wanted to watch the Browns. Like part of me was kind of sad that the Browns weren't playing on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, but then I was happy very quickly after that, knowing that they had already won. So with the game itself, though, having like watched it again and had some more time to kind of sit in it, it was pretty awesome. And Matthew, you made the comment before we came on the air that Pete Smith has made this comment a few times. Like the whole idea of the confidence that Baker Mayfield brings to the team that like when we messed things up, it didn't feel like the end of the world. And I you say made, that, I messed say, a lot of things up because they messed a bunch of things up in that second half. I mean, like not only were we coming back and we tied the game, and then right after that, the Jets got the ball, put a nice drive together. <laughs> Fortunately, we kept them out of the end zone, and it was just a field goal. But like they chewed up a bunch of clock, drove right down after like the height of the game after that two point conversion, and the Jets came right back and stuck it to us and put a field goal on the board. But I wasn't worried because we've been moving the ball. Baker looked super comfortable and confident, 
And it just felt like we were going to be able to do what we needed to do to put points on the board to at least tie, if not win the game. Like, that doesn't happen. That has not happened not for, for, me, for me as a Browns fan in I don't know how long. I mean, that, that was awesome. And it was the same type of thing when we dropped passes. On that final drive, it started with Antonio Callaway dropping that over-the-shoulder catch. And midway through, probably more than midway through, Jarvis Landry dropped his pass that hit him on the shoulder. It was a little bit behind him. It was a little bit on Baker because it was behind him and hit him on the back shoulder. But would both of those would have been huge first downs. And it was like, okay, we'll get him on the next play. And we did. It yep. was awesome. And I haven't had that feeling in so long. Just the optimism. the blind, like I've had the blind optimism, but not like in-game optimism. In-game, I'm pessimistic. Before the game, super optimistic. Um, but that Antonio Callaway, like it can't be understated how devastating that was. Like we, That was like a 35, 40-yard pass. On first down, I'm pretty sure. That yeah, we no, it was the first play of that drive. Um, but, like, normally, like, from other teams, like, that missing, missing one play is not a death <laughs> that sentence. De- that devastating, like, yeah. Like, it's, oh, that would be nice. But there's a reason you take that shot, because then you have two plays to, to make it up. Yeah. It is a bummer when you take a shot like that, execute it perfectly from, like, the quarterback and work. route running standpoint, and the guy just drops it. What I will say is that there were also moments in that game where it had a chance to go off the rails. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Baker Mayfield fumble on that first drive where he hits the two passes in a row that are nice, and then he gets sacked from behind. If if they recover that fumble, Mm -hmm. we have a whole different feeling going into halftime. You know, we've, we've only seen two good throws and then a fumble like crap. So I think that makes a difference. If the Duke fumble that, um, what's his face, Higgins recovered mm-hmm. so deftly, I don't know how Duke seemed to be the only player on the field who knew he was still in bounds. So I don't know how he wasn't holding the ball. But if if we don't get that fumble, like it's a whole other drive that, that's out the window. So I – there is a confidence that comes with Baker. I think there's still a ton of things that had to fall our way to even make that comeback possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that we can overcome like hurdles in the future because we'll be able to, we don't have to be perfect on offense to be able to score points is going to be huge. Well, I mean, one thing to note is that the Jets had three turnovers and we had zero. Yet again, we have dominated the turnover margin, which is enormous and it's quite frankly not going what are we, to like plus 10 something like that margin? Like it's not going to happen that way throughout the rest of the season it just it can't with how positively it's gone our way yeah and i just tweeted this out from our twitter account i looked it up because it se- it seemed to me that we had recovered every single fumble so far in the season and it's true every fumble that has hit the ground whether we forced it or whether we gave it up has landed in the Browns' hands. As, and we are, as it should be. <laughs> as it should be. Uh, and to, for the record, we are the only team in the NFL that that is the case. The, uh, the lucky Cleveland Browns. <laughs> That's what we are this year. It's our year. Oh, uh, in, stark, in stark contrast to last year, which, Matthew, you told me earlier that we set a record last year. No, we oh. did. We set a record. We recovered, a, it was like 25% of our fumbles. It was so bad. 
Oh my gosh, that seems about right. Um, but th- something about this game and the reason why I was so elated, like I felt like we won the freaking Super Bowl after we won this game, and I think that it's it's this roller coaster ride that I went on coming into this game, knowing that we had to win this game, we were favored to win this game. It was a Thursday night game, so I knew people would be watching. And then right off the bat, we go down fourteen to zero with Tyrod Taylor in the game. Suck it, Steelers. Bucks just, uh, Bucks just scored? Chris Godwin just went to the ground, and nobody touched him, and he jumped up and ran another 40 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> Amazing. Hope, we, hope they keep that up. Um, but we go down 14-0. to zero. I was at my all-time low. Like, in the past five years, I can't think of a lower point that I've been than when we were down 14-0 with Tyrod couldn't muster up a completed pass. And then when Baker came in, it just – everything – Everything flipped. The whole switch got flipped, and it was one of the most electric games that we've seen in a while. Yeah, no, and like fourteen, that- fourteen, nothing. I mean, we were all watching individually. Michael was at a bar by himself in the suburbs of Chicago, yelling, yelling, <laughs> making an ass out of himself <laughs> on that Antonio Callaway like non-pass interference call. Yeah, the one on that the was in the drive. end zone. Yeah, yeah. I that was the first like real outcry I had at the bar. I, I couldn't contain myself. You, you, had re- to, you had to establish what was about to happen for the next four quarters. Well, like, I, it was you, on, to, it's, it was you oh, testing the boundaries. They, they need to know. They need to know they that need when, to know when things happen that are unjust, <laughs> there will be screaming. We're gonna squeal. It was because that's what happens. It's, it was completely <laughs> unscripted. And just happened naturally. There was no way around it. There was nothing I could do to control it. And the two middle-aged ladies at the booth next to me did not appreciate it. I will tell <laughs> you that for sure. That's amazing. So Wait, you were in you were in a booth. You weren't like sitting at a bar top. Correct. I was at a booth by yourself. Why did you sitting at a why booth? Why did you choose the booth instead of the the, the actual bar counter? Uh, full disclosure, I was doing some work and sending some emails from my laptop as well oh, for the first quarter of the game. Nerd. At a bar. Um, it was at Ale House. I mean, it's like, I mean, yes, a bar, but not. Yeah. But it's like a bar that you drink Miller Lite at. That's exactly yeah. what I drank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, so I looked this up. Cleveland, the, cur- the Browns, currently lead the NFL in turnover differential. We are plus nine. The next closest team is only plus four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, if there's anything that's disturbing to me about the way we've started the season and makes me not optimistic about the, the remaining 13 games, yep. it's that. We've, yep. we've been, and Lord knows we freaking deserve it from last year, but we've been unbelievably fortunate. And it's just not going to continue. Like yeah. you can't expect it to continue. The interceptions, sure. Like we can control not throwing interceptions, and we can can force them. But the the fumbles, yeah, we've recovered six fumbles already this year and given away none. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, man. So when I rewatched the game, I didn't bother to rewatch the Tyrod Taylor snaps. I just you started just when Baker got in the game. <laughs> No, I watched the Tyrod Taylor snaps, but I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, so funny. So I did notice. Do you think that they? I've heard differing accounts on this. Do you think that they called had a different set of plays for Baker? 
I haven't really thought about this yet. You know what? I don't think so. You just think he was like way the heck more decisive? I think he's more decisive. I mean, I mean and it's it's just a I think it's more of a personality trait and like a a philosophy on how to play the position more than anything else. The only play I noticed there early on on Baker's uh first possession of the second half. We didn't score any points on this possession, but he had a play that looked like an RPO to me. The one to Njoku? The one to Njoku. But we've seen Tyrod run an RPO, and it's gone horrible. There was... Yeah, maybe he just doesn't know how to when do it. Was in the er- maybe it was earlier this game. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. There was an RPO that was bust. Like, he he looked to go throw a quick, yeah. quick like wide receiver screen. And the defender had read it, and so he didn't throw it, and he tucked and he it just and ran. ran. Yep. And it was a disaster. But I, I, like, I think the same... But you know which play I'm talking no, about. No, I know. The, like, and it was awesome. It was fantastic. He, he held the ball in the receiver's gut, saw the linebacker come after the running... Or in the running back's gut, and then saw the linebacker jump down, and then he just immediately got it out. And the speed in which... <sighs> He made that it's a, transition. It's a freaking like, it's, it's like, like one Phillip, motion. It's Philip Rivers at like. It, it is. That's the so amazing quick. part. And it was all, it was spot on exactly where it needed to be. And Joku ran for I think like nineteen yards on that play. It was it was beautiful, beautiful. No, I think I think it was the same <coughs> offense. Um, I think an interesting question is, I mean, even during the broadcast, they were discussing if the Browns were going to make a move at halftime. Um, away from Tyrod and go to Baker if Tyrod didn't get hurt. Have we heard what anything do, about Tyrod's What injury? do you think? He, he had a concussion is, like, what I was, is what they're reporting. Yeah, I but, mean, he, he like hit like, the ground and then he like held his head. I think it's... Like, is he practicing? Like, what is Tyrod's state, state right now? Like, this is not being discussed because everyone's like over the moon about Baker, rightfully so. Um, but, this is his... It's a little early in the week. Because he wouldn't have even had it. Today would have been the first Here's day back in the building. But Okay, I'm changing the subject. Not entirely. But this whole thing with Tyrod getting hurt, bringing Baker in. Why does God like it's Hugh like Jackson he- this much? <laughs> because like he had to intervene for Hugh Jackson to like make a good decision. Like Hugh Jackson was not going to do this on his own. It took Tyrod Taylor having a concussion for that to happen. Like, what has Hugh Jackson done? Yeah. I, I don't get it. That concussion was like Hugh Jackson's burning bush. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Do, what do you think? I mean, do you think they would have actually made the call? Because watching that game, it felt like the time when you have to make that decision. But everything we know about... Hugh Jackson, who would be making that call mid-game, is that he's, let's say, less than rational. Yeah, I would say less than rational, but he's also shown a quick trigger to make a change. That's true. You know? Like, it's, it hasn't, hasn't always been rational, and, right? but he's always been quick to make a change. And he's not been consistent in, like, what he says about competition and earning positions and versus like playing the better player or having to show up. Like he's just not consistent in what he says is important. 
And so I, I wouldn't have any way to estimate what he would have done if Tyrod was healthy going into halftime. I know watching that game, <clears throat> I expected them to make a change. And so for that reason, I wasn't getting my hopes up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just having watched the Browns for so long, especially with this regime, Hugh Jackson seems to do exactly the opposite of what what I, I hope he does and is, is the common knowledge. Um, I think it was definitely the right time to, to make that decision. I don't think, especially hindsight's twenty twenty. now. We've got Baker in the game. Wait, they took that touchdown off the board for Chris Godwin. Oh, that's bullshit. Anyways, sorry. We shouldn't be giving everyone Monday night football updates while we're recording our podcast. But since we took a little pause from our uh, talk about the Browns, we should also probably let you know that Mark had to step away for a brief moment. So it's the Michael and Matthew show for the moment. I'm sure he will return at some point. But um, so for Michael, now, we'll, we'll, we'll carry the show. Should we talk about Mark or keep talking about Baker Mayfield? We, uh, we can keep, we'll be nice. All right, so one of the things you wanted to talk about, and I think this is super interesting, because coming into this game, um, everybody was high on Sam Darnold. Even, like, you talk about the national media, the Giants were getting torched for, for not taking Sam Darnold, because in the first two games, he'd, he'd played well, and Eli had played terrible, and Barkley was what everybody expected him to be. Hmm. Um, and... Baker hadn't seen the field yet, so there wasn't a lot to do. Then Baker comes in the game and throw, I think throws the ball four times in the first half and has more passing yards than Sam Darnold or Tyrod Taylor combined. Is that true? It is true. That's funny. Baker finished the half with 47 passing yards. Darnold had 45. So what do we, what do we make of this Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold I mean, obviously, such a small sample. My, what I thought was hilarious about this whole thing is that so many of the takes I saw coming out of the game was Baker Mayfield is so much better than Sam Darnold. And it was hilarious to me that we saw one half of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold played the whole game. And honestly, as, as a fan of the opposing team playing against Sam Darnold, I thought he played pretty darn well. Like... I liked what I saw from Sam Darnold. There were many times where I expected our defensive line to wrap him up and bring him down for a sack. He escaped, got outside the pocket, and made a smart play. I think Sam Darnold's going to be good. I do, too. I mean, I don't... And I was actively thinking throughout the game, this coaching staff for the Jets is not giving Sam Darnold a chance to, like, make mistakes. They were calling a super conservative brand of offense, and those big plays that he made were on third down when they had to try to throw and make a play. Right. Uh, so what? Maybe if they unleashed him a little bit, they weren't putting him in position to really do much. Yeah. And so my take is, is he played pretty well, and I would take Sam Darnold in a heartbeat. Now, not like I'm getting rid of Baker Mayfield, but if I'm a Sam, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm feeling real good about Sam Darnold. Oh yeah, especially when you didn't have a chance. He was he was the guy who fell to you, and you made the best pick that you could. Um, I mean, he was he his completion percentage was not good. I mean, he was fifteen to thirty one, but that's like that's not good. So it's not good, but you have to look at his three games in totality, right? 
coming out of that first game against the the Lions, like everybody was getting ready to like crown him the next like king of the NFL. Yep. So especially with a rookie quarterback, you're gonna have ups, you're gonna have downs. You gotta take it in totality, and it's gonna work out in the end. He's not it's not gonna be great. I we we saw the best of Baker on on well, Thursday it's not night. Gonna, I it's mean not it's not gonna, gonna, gonna get all, all the can't time. get a whole lot better. No, we we are going to lose games with Baker Mayfield. And which, po- and probably because of plays that he makes. Like not just like with him at the helm, he's but make also, mistakes. We can talk about let's look at that the second drive, which I, I think was the first drive of the second half where we drove down the field. That was the one that had the Njoku play. We went down pretty far. He had that ridiculous juke on third no, and five. No, it wasn't that. It was after it That was, was the second it drive. It was after the Denzel Ward fumble. Right, so that was the second drive of the second half, his Baker's third okay. drive. So where we kicked the field goal. Yep. Yep. That should have ended in a, an interception in the end zone. Oh, yeah, he threw like, it right to that it's safety. It's terrible, and he, he missed the safety. It, it happens. Like, you make mistakes. If that ball gets picked or if Baker's fumble on the first drive bounces a different way, we're having a completely different conversation today. We're talking about Baker Mayfield – looking good but needing to protect the ball. And nobody's talking about Baker needing to protect the ball. You're right. So there's going to be games where all of those happen and we can't get too down on the fact that that the ball didn't bounce our way because that's going to happen all the time. We're going to have to ride the roller coaster with ups and downs. If I was a Jets fan, I would be over the moon for Sam Darnold right now. Oh, yeah. He looks good. He looks super comfortable. Like looking at both Baker and Sam Darnold, it's amazing how comfortable they are. Like with the ball in their hands, in the pocket, looking around, making reads. Like it, the game does not look anywhere close to too big for either one of those guys. No, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, and I would say it looks bad for for Josh Allen and the Bills, but they just freaking whooped the Vikings, which just blows my mind. Josh Allen has to win games like that where he makes some big plays based on his athleticism and not just his ability to throw the ball. He's also going to be a guy that gets hurt. Like, oof. That dive towards the pylon, like as was exciting, impressive. as exciting and awesome as that is as a fan watching, that's scary. If there's a defender, like, he's going to... Anywhere near, he's going to... And that he hurdled a defender in that game too oh my goodness if anyone has not seen this play it is phenomenal he hurdles it was uh anthony barr yeah it was anthony barr from the vikings who is by the way six foot five yeah anthony barr is he's huge and he plays linebacker for the vikings and he comes to square up against um josh allen in the open field and josh allen just takes off spreads his legs and leaps right over him perfect form perfect form like gets right what, over him and then falls straight over the and other. then falls forward for the first down it was just it was awesome it was incredible it's very the, ill-advised it's, it's very the, ill-advised it's the best of josh allen unfortunately that's also going to get him killed yeah there's probably a josh mccown helicopter in his future oh absolutely yeah absolutely um yeah, if I was the Bills, be over the moon for for winning that game. Hope that he doesn't have to do that all the time because it's not sustainable. So, um, to go back to the Browns game, 
I told you that I basically just watched the Baker um, portion <laughs> of the game. So the way that I've like charted the game and talked about it and looked at it is Baker drives. So the one we were talking about before, where he should have that should have ended in the interception. That right. was his third drive, the second one of the second half after right. the Denzel Ward interception. And then the next two were the touchdown drives. I mean, so he had the one at the end of the first half. And then the one at the beginning of the second half, which was a, ended in a punt. Right. The quick fumble recovery after the Denzel Ward play. That and then we had a field goal after it didn't get intercepted. And then he had the two drives that were touchdowns to win the game. Right. Where he made throw after throw after throw that we needed to have in order to win the game. The that game, so we talked about how that Antonio Callaway um dropped pass was rather unfortunate. In a way, it was kind of nice that we didn't get that chunk because we ended up chewing up the clock and scoring a touchdown at the end of that final drive. And if we had had 40 yards right off the bat, like we're not chewing up clock and the Jets get the ball like way earlier and the game like gets extended. Well, didn't that also happen at the end of the game where where our go-ahead touchdown, we we scored quick on the the hide run and it mm-hmm. got called back for a block in the back on Landry. Yeah, and it did. we scored it like four four and a half minutes, and then the the second time when we finally punched it in the end zone, it was only like two minutes left on the clock. Well, I know there was a few more plays for sure because the first down, I forget what we did on first. We ran it, I think, on first down, didn't go anywhere, and then the second down was the little pitch to Landry. Which, by the way, when I looked at it again, was just a terrible block attempt by Harrison. Is that what his name is? Why yeah. am I missing the name Desmond of Desmond Harrison? Yes. Why yeah. it sounded wrong when I said it. <laughs> that was weird. He's new. It's fine. <laughs> I'm still getting in my groove with Desmond Harrison. Um, I saw the sixty nine um, in my head, and I couldn't come up with the name. You've always got that in your head. Uh, so, um, no, no comment. No comment. But that actually, you mentioned that Landry blocking penalty on that Hyde run. Yeah. I don't remember this exactly getting called whenever it happened. It didn't really look like much of a penalty to me. It was. I mean, it was one of those situations where he should have just stood there because it would have been as effective as he needed it to be. But but he did he did push and extend his arms. I I feel like it's but it one wasn't of those from things. the back. It was like from no, the it side. Was. It was. It was from the back. I think it but was it, a bogus call. I don't think soft, I agree with you. It's soft, and it's one of those things that probably doesn't get called most of the time. Uh, it's also one of those things that didn't need to happen. But I'm glad it did, given how it worked out. Because we ended up, were able to burn two more minutes off the clock, uh, put Darnold in an even worse situation. I will say, when we were down to the third and goal at that point, it was the first time I've talked. I was talking. We were talking about how we had added confidence yeah. with Baker Mayfield in there. That was the first point in that whole second half where it creeped in. It was like, oh, this would be so Browns if we can't get this freaking in the end zone. <laughs> that was the first. I really like well, had so, that we're active. So scarred. We're so scarred from last year with Kaiser. Like the number not of- being able to score, turning the ball over in those situations. Yep. The number of red zone turnovers that that we had, and. Even that bad Baker throw that should have been picked like brought little flashback memories of that. Um, looking back at this game, I mean, coming off, the, this has been a crazy week for the Browns. 
we we started off on on what was it last Saturday? Yeah. Where the news came out that we were going to cut Josh Gordon. Yep. Right. We we go play the Saints. Should have beat them. Should have beat them. You know. And so that was all fresh and new. We already knew Gordon wasn't going to play. But then we come into this week, short week. We don't have Gordon. Our offense kind of Landry's does, banged look up. Good. Landry's banged up. We we don't know if Hyde's going to play on Thursday because he's having a baby and like what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, we walk away smelling like a rose. Are you surprised that once Mayfield came in, our offense looked so good, and we've spent the last like six years being like Josh Gordon is a transcendent talent. Are you surprised that we're able to like look as good as we do without him? To some degree, yes. But I think there's a significant element that when you have a player like Josh Gordon, everyone else knows that they're insignificant, like not valuable and they can't hold a candle to Josh Gordon. So when you have a situation like that and the players on the field are like, Josh Gordon's way the heck better than me. They all kind of take a step back and don't feel like it's their responsibility to like carry water. Yeah. And I feel like now that Gordon is completely in the rearview mirror off the team, not even lingering as an option. The offense is not geared around a Josh Gordon and his talents. The rest of the team is not like waiting on savior Josh Gordon to make things happen. And we can just move on. And I bet you it's just it. I think that it's the best way to get the most out of the rest of the players. Um, we'll see if we're able to continue things. The thing that surprises me most about Baker coming in and succeeding so well is the chemistry that he has had and showed with the receivers. Like having not really had many reps in practice, and it's, not it's, only it's that, because we lost. Like he he got all these reps in the preseason. We're we're down our two of our top three receivers for most of the preseason. So Jarvis is the only guy he hasn't thrown to. He's he threw to Higgins and Callaway the entire preseason. Not really in Joku though. Um, but yes, you're right. And then he did get the start in the what fourth preseason game, and yeah. he got to throw to He's some of those Eagles. guys. But he didn't really look that good in that game. And to me, I remember watching that game thinking, oh well, he hasn't really played with these guys that much, so that makes sense. It makes sense why he doesn't have it with them. But he jumped right in and looked like he'd been playing with them for five years. Right. So that was the most impressive thing to me. And some of those Baker throws where he threw it right between the defenders, where like the, oh, that, that one to Landry was after it was like the it was second after completion. His fumble, it was after his fumble. And so it was like second and 18. And we had to get. He a, threw a it on his back shoulder. Back. No, it wasn't the back shoulder one. It was the one where he he fed it like through to Landry and like let him through and there wasn't even a hole there. But oh my he, gosh, where he, he threw just, it to yeah. his left and there literally yeah. was not a hole. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. The one where you see it from behind, you're like, yeah. why in the world did yeah. he decide to throw that? Because football? you can't even see Landry, but yeah. you know he's you know he's coming in. It's incredible. Yeah, the I, confidence I could watch to throw that, that just like on repeat forever. Um, so there's that him throwing players open, which is unbelievable and i honestly don't think i've ever seen the browns with a quarterback that has, that, that, that has done that 
in the expansion era, I don't know that it, that has really existed on a consistent basis. So that's one level. But also, when I watched the coaches film earlier today, there were guys open. Like we were, For we were scheming guys open. Oh, I didn't watch the Tyrod place. Oh. I just watched the Baker place. Wait. So did you only watch the coaches' film, or did you watch this twice and only watch the Baker plays twice? I only watched the Baker plays on the coaches' film. Oh, okay. I, I only watched the game again one time. I watched the coaches' film, and I started when Baker got in the game. I had limited time. I mean, if I was going to watch any of it, it was going to be for, the Baker set. For the record, there were guys open for Tyrod, too. Okay. Just... Well, there definitely were guys open for Baker that he didn't happen to see every time. But, like... How nice is that? That you don't have to find the guy open. You, some of the time, you can actually throw him open, whenever like you see whatever's good enough. Like that's nice. That opens up the offense and the possibilities quite a bit. It's like <clears throat> I've thought this for a while. We've talked about this. You watch the Browns on Sunday afternoon because we just get buried in that normal like one o'clock slot. And then you watch like the Sunday night game, and it's like they're playing a completely different game <laughs> oh, than, yeah. than the Browns. Oh yeah, usually yeah, right? Like you watch, complete fades in the end in the you watch, end zone. You yeah. watch Aaron Rodgers. You watch Tom Brady. You watch Tony Romo before he retired. Like like any of the the quarterbacks who were like thriving, and it's a completely different game than what the Browns are trying to do out there. Which the Browns just look like they're trying to survive. Oh yeah, and, and like everybody else is just not mess is, up. Like is, if you've got yeah. a lead, just oh screw it up. <laughs> oh no no. When Baker was in there for the second half, it was the first time where it felt like we were playing the same game as everybody else. Yes, and so we finally had a chance. Yeah. So my question to you now is, we're now officially in the Baker Mayfield era. It was announced today. It was like twelve thirty our time, sometime. What's next for Tyrod? Uh, we're. We, this is a good the, question. Trading deadline is, I think, three weeks away. Is it the sixth week of the season, or do they move it back to the eighth? I have no I don't clue know. when it is. Got a couple weeks. Um, some things have happened this week. You know, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo went down with a torn ACL. Plenty Hugh, of talk about Hugh the... came out and said today that they're, we're going to need Tyrod and he's going to be on the roster. I, I don't know that I buy that. What do you think needs to happen with Tyrod? What is best for him? What's best for the team? What do you think is realistic? He's only signed for a year, so it doesn't really matter. After this year, he's gone. Yeah. My take is is trade him if you can get good enough compensation. And to me, good enough compensation is a fourth-round pick or better. To me, I'd rather – if it's going to just be a fifth-round pick, I'd rather hold on to him as insurance if my quarterback gets hurt. Why? Because I want insurance in case my quarterback gets hurt and to show, like, I don't know. I just, I would rather have a good player on my team. We have a bunch of late-round picks. I just don't, I like, I think Tyrod being there gives Baker some confidence. I think he has learned a ton from Tyrod. Seems like they have a decent relationship. Another reason I would be quick to get rid of Tyrod is if for some reason that turns south and that's no longer the case. But everything I've seen is that that's a positive relationship, and that's going to be a good thing to have Tyrod as the backup for Baker and not a negative thing. It would be a complicated trade because Tyrod's making $16 million this year. So to to fund a team that The can, 49ers have room, so that's not a problem. 
Yeah, but outside of them, I don't know who else does. I also don't know who else would be interested. So, I mean, it might be the 49ers or bust, and in that situation, I don't know what kind of compensation you're going to get back. So you know what really sinks for the 49ers? They front-loaded this Jimmy Garoppolo deal like Oh, huge. yeah, he's, he's getting like 40 a, mil this year. It's like he's a, not even going to play. 40 million to play two and a half games. Ugh. Ouch. Ouch. It's the risk you run. Yeah, no, I think – I don't agree with you that a, it's a fourth-rounder bust. Okay, here's my thing. How is this that much different than the Sam Bradford trade from a couple years ago when the Eagles got a first-round pick? Well, that was way too much. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was, but like, it's not that different. What are the 49ers sitting at right now? I think that makes all the difference. Salary cap wise? No, record wise. Oh, they've only won one game. They're one and two. They're one and two. I mean, maybe they're willing to give a fourth. If they offer a fourth, I'd take it to get his salary off the books and. For the Browns, I just don't see it. The Browns getting enough from anyone. The 49ers are the only team that like would need him enough, but they have to really want to win right now. And I don't know that that like matters that much to the 49ers right now. Maybe not. Here's the thing: I don't know what value Tyrod brings to this team, other than the value that he has in a trade at this point. Maybe there's stuff we don't know about he and Baker's relationship and he, he makes Baker comfortable and that's great. But if Baker goes down, we've seen what this offense looks like with Tyrod at the helms. Yeah. But like, how- like, I don't, I'm not super optimistic that, Oh, we lost our quarterback. Oh, Tyrod can come in and we're just chugging along like normal. Okay. Like I- we're, we're, we're screwed. Who, who was it? It was, Ah, oh, there's an old football coach, or there's so somebody said this um, when oh, it was Tom Moore, the old offensive coordinator for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to pardon my French here, but somebody was visiting practice, and Peyton Manning was getting all the snaps at practice, and so the the visitor asked Tom Moore, "Hey, why don't you why don't you have the backup take any snaps?" And Tom Moore goes, "If Peyton goes down, we're fucked." And we don't practice fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's my point. Like, if uh, at this point, I'm, I don't care if, if something happens to Baker, like, that, that's football. But we're not really gaining anything by Tyrod being here. Okay. We've seen what that looks like, From and what? we're already done. And so you just take your lumps, and you move on, and you use that From- fifth-round pick that we can get from San Francisco. From what we've seen so far, that's absolutely true. From what we've seen of Tyrod so far, that's absolutely true. I was really intrigued. I heard, I listened to today's Tomahawk episode, and Joe made a comment on there that I thought was really interesting. His guess was that although Tyrod was given the keys to the Browns offense and named the starting quarterback and like should have had no reason to believe that there, that job was being threatened, he thinks he was playing uber conservative so as to not lose the job. Like, maybe subconsciously, maybe not. Which is his nature anyway. Which is I his mean, nature anyway, right? So he's just even leaning on that direction even more, knowing that if he doesn't jack it up, 
he's going to remain the starting quarterback. And that makes sense to me for a guy that's on a one-year deal, like needs to maintain his value just to get another like decent contract in the NFL. Like he's walking a tight line. And so obviously he was not playing aggressively and Baker does. But you if you play out a scenario where Baker goes down and Tyrod has to come in later in the season, I would have to imagine he's going to let it rip a whole lot more than he has thus far. And that would be my only counter argument if I had to make one. Yeah. I can see that. I just don't know that it's in his nature. And so maybe, so maybe it's true. And maybe you do just need like that little bit more of, of a, I don't care. Like Tyrod played a heck of a lot worse in these few games for the Browns than he has in previous seasons for the Bills. And so I'd rather bet on Tyrod over his whole career thus far than what we've seen from the Browns in these couple of games. Yeah, that's, and that's fine. Saying. And maybe we can use that to, to milk a... An extra round out of somebody. All I know is that if Baker would go down for some reason, I'd much rather have Tyrod still as my starter than Drew Stanton. I'd rather have Broby than Drew Stanton, probably. <laughs> It'd just be a lot more fun. Drew Stanton actually has a winning record. He does. It's kind of amazing. Which is incredible he's when a, you think he, about it. He's a gamer. Yeah. That Drew Stanton is. Not would, a preseason gamer, because he was pretty miserable in the preseason. I would actually argue that he's better in practice, because he, <laughs> he sticks around in the NFL and... He's the highest paid quarterback coach in the league, which isn't true because Josh McCown's getting paid $10, 10 million dollars from yeah. the Jets, which is a yeah. pretty sweet deal. $10 million to be Sam Darnold's best friend. Yeah. It's working out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Drew Stanton, I'm never going to forget his appearances on Hard Knocks. He appeared in that first episode and was giving Broby a hard time for not packing the right snacks. Yeah. Then you didn't see him again until that episode where Hugh brought him and Baker in to announce who the backup quarterback was going to be. And he just kept his mouth completely shut. It was like not trying to get in the way at all. He's like, okay, mm -hmm, yep. And then he he goes, uh, Andrew, I've got a, I need to have a word with Baker. And he goes, okay. And he got his stuff and just walked right out. (laughs) He didn't care. He's just cashing checks, man. Yeah. It was so perfect. He's keeping his head down because he knows as soon as, as soon as some, like, mythical line is crossed and he's no longer a viable NFL quarterback, he can do this exact same job and make like probably 30 times less. Yeah. Okay. So last thing I want to ask about the game, we're talking, we're so excited about Baker. We're talking all about the offense, how great it looked. How do you feel about the defense's performance in this game? I thought they were great. I mean, if you think about it, they were put in some tough situations field position-wise. They didn't allow much. Um, I think it was like 200-something total yards for some turnovers. If you take out that blocked punt, which was just, oh, my gosh, we haven't talked about this, but how our special teams, like, have to be the worst position group in the league, like, by far. This is too bad Mark's not here. He's got a great little special teams oh, nugget. He does have a good special teams nugget. We'll give him credit, but I'm going to say it now because it's just too good. No, can we tell the story? About <laughs> it? We I walked up into the, so after after the game on Thursday night, we recorded our pod, and then I went home around 1 a.m. Central Time. Apparently, Mark was still awake, just reveling in it. Couldn't just, go to sleep. Yeah, just yep. 
drinking probably have just having moments of clarity revelations. So I come in to the podcast studio uh, Sunday night, Sunday, Saturday maybe, and I look and on a on a single on a notepad, there's nothing else written on a piece of paper except the words Anus Lee. Anus Jones. <laughs> Anus we Jones. did it again. Oh. <laughs> you no, jacked up the punchline. Jacked up the ah. <laughs> so Mark has the best ever possible uh, nickname for Amos Jones. He's gonna forever now call him Anus Jones. Yeah, which yeah, it's just, perfect. Just a real asshole, that <laughs> Anus Jones. Just a real asshole. Uh, Man, I'm mad at myself now that I ruined it. We uh, talked about that. Such a long buildup, and then you jacked oh, up the name. Oh man, so disappointing. No, our special teams are terrible. Yeah, Anus doesn't know what he's doing. So we got to get rid of the Anus. <laughs> anus is never good. Um, we got to get rid of the Anus. But also, why do we have some of these guys on the back end of our roster? Like, like who? What are you talking about? Who's like the number thirty-seven? He play, He's like the gun. Jeremiah McKinnon. Is that who that? Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah, he has. Penalty after penalty after penalty. Like, all day long. Like, when that is your job, that is your only duty on this team, and you can't freaking do it. Is it Jeremiah McKinnon or Denzel Rice? Oh, it's Denzel Rice. That's who I hate. Yeah. How, how do you still have a job? There's got to be people that are available who can do this better than you. Yeah. Um, it, is un- it is embarrassing. They're, they're not good. In uh, in blocking in special teams. No, we're, we're not good at that. And we've got nobody to return a kick. Okay, I will say, they switched to Jarvis Landry on the punt returns in this game, and I think that's absolutely the right move. And that's fine, but at the same time, I don't want Jarvis Landry taking all those hits. Like, I'd rather him be available on offense. So there, there's kind of this game that you play with your punt returners where – like the most dynamic players are probably your stars on offense, but you don't really want to do that because there's a high likelihood that they get hurt. On kick returns, freaking get rid of Denzel Rice and bring back Evan Barry. Like at least he was good at returning. And he was good. Who knows? Maybe he's good at covering kicks too. There's got to be somebody better than Denzel Rice because Denzel Rice isn't providing anything on defense. I mean, we've joked about it on the pod. Josh Cribbs can probably still do this shit. I don't disagree. Like, it, like it kills me. This is the, like, this is the most basic part of the game. This is like, it's all about attention to detail and like trying hard. And we just can't seem to find the people to do it. So, um, I don't see it getting any better throughout the rest of the season. So, buckle up. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see them at least try to find new people. Like, the fact that we keep trotting Denzel Rice out there to hold and block in the back every opportunity that he gets. So, yes, kills me. that's a problem. But is it also a problem to keep rotating through the, like, different players on special teams? No, because it's not, it's not rocket science. Like, especially in his position. You're a gunner. Like, take off. Go get him. <laughs> like, like what? What is there to do? No, I love it whenever we like kneel the uh, kickoff return. Yeah, and don't try no. because it's it's infinitely better than taking take, the ball out of the end zone. Take a touchback, 
fair catch every freaking but we've talked about this yeah we need to fair catch every punt and just go for the block every time oh jeez okay. Amos Jones is going to be the end of me all right um, do we have anything else to talk about in this game I want to talk about the future coming out of this game okay. what do you what do you think about the 2018 season I mean we've got there's kind of a couple aspects we're one one and one which is decent position to be in I think the best way to look at the one one and one is if you looked at our record our schedule I should say going into the season and I told you that we only had one loss you would coming out of week three yeah feel great so you're feeling pretty good there yep we've looked good we there's an argument we should be three now. We had an opportunity. There's an argument we've been very lucky with turnovers. There is also an argument we've been very There's lucky. There's that too. Yep. Um, ceiling has never looked higher with Baker at the reins of the offense. Now that we have Baker. Now that okay. we have Baker. Okay. What do you think about the 2018 season? Our upcoming opponents are kind of coming into view. You know, you when you looked at the Raiders – for example, you didn't really know what to expect with John Gruden. Now you kind of know that that's not the hardest road game that, I mean, that you could have. I'm – I think I'm going to reserve my full-on excitement until after this game. I mean, if the Browns don't play well and show that they're clearly better than the Raiders this week, then we know we're not that great of a team. But if we show up and stick it to the Raiders and go on the road and win a game that we should win based on what we've seen from both teams so far, then I feel pretty good about the rest of the season. We'll be sitting at 2-1-1. One, and one. That's solid. I can do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm waiting to see a little bit more. We've seen one half of Baker Mayfield. and No, I mean, and it's, it's, it's early, but... I mean, we've also seen three games of our opponents. And so that kind of brings things into view. I mean, looking at the schedule, we've got the Oakland game, which seems winnable. Baltimore hasn't looked good. The Tam- division is an interesting thing. Tampa the Bay's division could become a logjam. Yeah. Atlanta is getting just torched by injuries. Oh, both of their safeties are out and their best linebacker. I yeah. Mean- uh, we're, go- we're going to the Texans. The Texans have looked bad. We're at Denver. Denver doesn't look good. Our We're division, going to the playoffs, baby. <laughs> our division is so much more attainable than it has been in years. Like I'm, I'm not sitting here advocating that we're going to the playoffs, but I'm. We've got a chance to win. Like, there, in previous seasons, there are games that we have no chance to win. Mm-hmm. I don't see a game on our schedule that we don't have a chance to win. Yeah. We're not going to win them all. No. But we've got a shot. Yeah, no. It'll be fun. The toughest games remaining probably at Pittsburgh and then versus Kansas City in back-to-back weeks. We do get Kansas City at home, which could help. Kansas City. I want to see enigma, I, man. I want to see what happens to Kansas City if they're behind in a game. They've just jumped on everybody so far. And I'm just curious what's going to happen. Like if 
if Mahomes isn't their offense just catered to being behind though? I mean, they just throw. The I mean, ball. yes and no, but Mahomes has only played three games, and so to me, like, I just wonder if there's a part of him that's going to be rattled and like force things a little bit more when he has to do it versus playing from a position of strength. Like everyone wants to anoint Mahomes as like the best quarterback in the entire world, which so far in these three games, that's what he's looked like. But he hasn't really stepped on any adversity yet. He hasn't had to come back and win a game or do anything like that. Until I see right. that, like that is a big deal. He's been playing from ahead in all of these games. And yeah. he has a fantastic well, well, that's, coaching that's staff. That's what happens when you when you throw like three touchdown passes in the first quarter every single week. Yeah, but it doesn't happen every game throughout the course of an NFL season. So we'll see. Yeah, so. that'll be interesting. I, I, I agree with you that we're going to learn a lot about the Browns, what they're capable of, Baker Mayfield this season, um, this week on the road in Oakland. Yep. Um, and it's, it's a good situation. It's it's a it's a test. It's tough to go on the road, but it's not impossible. Like the the Raiders have flaws. Their defense isn't good. They don't have a pass rush. They their offense is struggling. Like there's not a whole lot going for them right now. No, there's not. But that's a great team to have to go on the road against on a long week in your first start in the NFL. Yeah, I I can not really think of a better situation. Unless the Raiders were coming to Cleveland. For a road game, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's setting up perfect. Is it an early or a late game? I think it's a late game. Did I hear somebody talk about it being flexed to Fox? Like a national, getting the national game? Oh, I don't think so. I've I've heard people talking about potentially um, future Browns games getting flexed, specifically that Kansas City game. Got it. Which would be fun. Sorry, everybody. Yawning. It is a late game. 4.05 Eastern. Okay, so we've reached the point in our podcast where we talk about the other division games. Unfortunately, uh, we split up the games. Mark Mark watched one, and I watched one, but Mark is not here with us. He's still tending to uh, a matter. And so I'll tell you a little bit. (laughs) You make it sound like he just had a big poop. (laughs) Maybe he did. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, Bucks making this interesting. Deshaun Jackson touchdown. Punt return with the flag. Darn it. Oh, crap. Okay. Be on the Steelers. So I did watch the Ravens and the Broncos game. And I got to say, the Broncos really screwed the pooch on this one. Yes. They got a blocked kick early on. And scored a touchdown on the very first offensive play that they had. They got the ball back later as it was tied 7-7. They went down and scored a touchdown right away on an Emmanuel Sanders, like, really long run on the end around. And they didn't score the rest of the game. That's very brownsy. They had 14 points with seven minutes to go in the first quarter, and they didn't score another point. It's very brownsy. Seven straight possessions that ended in a punt. Oh. And then the next that, one... That is Brownsy. The next one went down, and they threw an interception in the end zone. I mean, it was bad. Case Keenum looked bad. They were getting some Case pressure Keenum on him. Case Keenum is bad. Why, why does the NFL do this? They, they see what a guy is. They see that he's terrible. He goes and 
flashes in a situation that's super favorable. I don't know if it's a flash, though, when it's the whole season. But it is. It's like you get... I think that if you take... There's probably like 45, 50 guys who who could play really well if put in a situation where they've, they've got a good coaching staff, good, you know, good offensive coordinator putting themselves in a position, good skill position, and a really strong defense. Like, you could put a lot of people in that situation and they would look amazing. I guess. Case Keenum looked fine last year. Yep. Has looked borderline miserable the other years of his career. Yeah, no, that's true. And yet the Denver Broncos just decide, oh, you know what? He's 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 good now. We're gonna give him sixteen million dollars a year to go be be our quarterback. Which good for Case Keenum. Yeah. This is the but most like, why why do teams do this? They make an artificial market for people where if you're better off just it's the winner's curse. This was the most I've seen of the Broncos so far this year. I haven't had really a reason to watch any of their games. Um he was just kind of moving around and had no awareness of where pressure was coming from. It was pretty ridiculous. Mark, perfect timing. We're just talking about the division games. We need you to jump in and talk about the Bengals here in a second. Um, so anyways, to go to the Ravens side of this game, the Ravens, I didn't feel like they went out and won this game necessarily. Their defense did look pretty stout, but I got the impression that it wasn't the Ravens making great plays. It was more Case Keenum like screwing up. I didn't get the impression that the Ravens were some unstoppable defensive force keeping them from moving the ball. Um, but I will say, Joe Flacco does look better than he's looked in many years. And some people are saying it's because of the competition and that Lamar Jackson's breathing down his neck. But he was dropping balls in on spots. The he and John Brown deep ball connection. Is he also a, has better skill position yes. wide receivers than he's yes. had in a while. I mean, he seems to like Michael Crabtree and John Brown. Crabtree is like the possession Anquan Bolden type receiver, and John Brown is the deep ball is the, receiver. The Tory Holt, the, go get a DPI. No, I mean from the, yeah. to look at <laughs> Tory Smith. Tory Smith, yeah. Man, Tory you're really Smith. screwing up these last names. Ugh. Mark, 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 I effed up the. <laughs> I effed up Amos Lee, Amos Jones' name. He went through this whole story explaining how you wrote down Anus Jones, <laughs> and at the and at the punchline, he goes Anus Lee is what he had written down on the page. <laughs> you ruined everything, brother. I know. I'm so sorry. Why was, so sorry. My it was priceless. My 3 a.m. epiphany. <laughs> the punchline has been ruined. But. From this point on, as long as we call him by his name, Anus Jones, for the rest of the year, then that's fine. I don't, I don't care what his last name is. His first name Anus. is Anus. <laughs> that works for me. So anyways, that's my take on the Ravens game. I'm not that scared of them. I really think the Browns could stick with the Ravens quite well, and it's not going to be a major concern. I, I think their defense is good, but probably not as good as it's been. And their offense doesn't scare me. Their offensive line isn't good. Which is weird. That's something to monitor. Yeah, their running game's not doing much at all. So, Mark, you watched the Bengals game, right? Yep. I watched it very quickly. Um, but I will say, so you first look at the stat line, and you see that Andy Dalton had four interceptions, and you're like, okay, 
same old, same old. But two of those interceptions were at the very end of the game when they were down by like 10 points and they were just scrapping to come back. Um, a few things that really stuck out to me was first and foremost, they could not stop the run. Christian McCaffrey had 184 oh, yards. Yeah. And like 184 yards is a lot. Rushing? Like, rushing. 184 rushing yards. Oh. But like it wasn't like Christian McCaffrey's fast, but like he had wide open holes. Like throughout the entire first three quarters, the first three quarters, and he got to the linebackers every single time. Aren't the Panthers down like three offensive linemen? The the and the Bengals defensive line is supposed to be fantastic, but they were getting absolutely mauled through the first three quarters. And they stepped huh. up they stepped up during the fourth quarter. Um but they weren't even throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey because they could just run it so easily. He had 28 carries, 184 yards. Um, so I would assume that we will be able to move the ball on the ground whenever we play them, um, like we honestly have been able to do for most of the season. Um, another really exciting thing. What happened? Oh, they're watching the Monday night game while not listening to me speak. No, we're, um, we're listening. <laughs> another really interesting thing that I'm really excited about is Cordy Glenn – looked really bad the Bengals left tackle um there's a brand the the Panthers picked up a defensive end off the streets his name is F.A. Obata I think that's how you pronounce it but he had like two sacks um just destroyed Cordy Glenn all day and then uh Mario Addison did he he take him for speed or power um he was getting outside around the outside of him every single time so like what Miles Garrett does even better than F.A. Sounds like Gennard Avery and Miles Garrett's uh, recipe for success. Yeah, so their offensive line did not look good in this game. I know, Michael, you've had a few comments thinking that, and it could be a one-off game. Who knows? But there is reasons to be encouraged, even though they're at the top of our league. They well, they didn't have Joe Mixon, right? So were they... Uh, when was... that's a thing, G- Gio Bernard looked very, very adequate. It didn't seem like... They missed a step with having Joe Mixon. I mean, he had 61 yards, but they they were down quick. So, like, yeah. at the end, like, two quarters of that game, they weren't trying to run the ball anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those first two quarters, Gio looked just fine. It didn't really look like they were hurting for Joe Mixon. When the Bengals are throwing the ball, obviously A.J. Green's the primary target. Who else were they throwing to? Because John Ross, has been their first-round pick from last year, well, has been awful. Tyler Boyd had a breakout game. In this week, he had like 140 yards or something like that in a touchdown. Um, but AJ Green looked AJ Green looked crazy banged up. Every single play, he was like scraping his body off of the turf to get back up, and then the next play, he would go and do it again. So, dude's we'll, about as skinny as me. So I don't know how he's lasted this long. <laughs> yeah, and just for I know this is a podcast, so you don't see Matthew. Matthew is very skinny. <laughs> Just, just so you know, Tampa Bay just scored again. If you've seen our, ooh, baby, if you've seen, it might happen. If you've seen our forty video, you know that Matthew's very skinny. <laughs> this is very exciting. Ryan Fitzpatrick just threw another touchdown. Aerodynamic. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you like that's to phrase how I it. Won. Um, so there's definitely huge weaknesses. I don't think that the Bengals are as good as their prior to this week two and zero record showed. Um, but we'll see if they can fix those offensive line. So what I'm hearing is this division's a toss-up. It's I mean, what it, it's what Pittsburgh's it looked like bad. We've looked better than expected. 
it seems like everybody's just kind of middle of the road. And no, I think it's going to be a log jam. could rise to the top. It's going to be a log jam. So I'm not saying the Browns are like contenders in the so division, a, but I think it's anybody's anybody's division. But nobody's going to run away with it. No. And, and there probably know. won't be a wild card. If we can take care from of business. This. All right. So here's the crazy thing. I um, heard somebody going through the uh, Steelers schedule. It is scary to look at the Steelers schedule. And I'm trying to look it up, but I can't type whenever I'm trying to talk. It's kind of sad. Come on, nimble fingers, Michael. Um, Okay. So right now they're playing the Bucks on Monday night, which the Bucks have obviously been crushing it. So that's like a challenging opponent. We are, it's a common opponent though. Okay, then they go home for the Ravens. Okay. Home for the Falcons. At the Bengals. Two just three just brutal grinder games. I mean the Ravens and the. Falcons are getting hurt, though, as Matthew made a point earlier in the podcast with the defense. That's probably easier than it was a week or two ago. Then they play us at home. Then they go to the Ravens. for sure. They play the Panthers. They go to the Jags. Oof. It's tough. They go to the Broncos. That's easy. That's a win. They play the Chargers, which we all play the Chargers. Then they they play all of the AFC West games right in a row. They play the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders right in a row. That's crazy. Then they play the Patriots, then the Saints, and then the Bengals. Like at the the Patriots and the Saints at the end of the year is what really sucks. I, the it's Patriots, brutal. The Patriots are going to be just a tough. much There's better team. There's not one game in there that's like, yep, they'll win that one. Raiders and Broncos are probably the two easiest games they have left on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways, it's just it's not a simple thing. I mean, that's when you play news. that first place schedule and you got to play like the Patriots and stuff. That stinks. Yeah. That is great the, news. the Raiders and Broncos are the easiest games on their schedule left, and they're both on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so That's tough. Love that. Now, Steelers, Steelers could be in trouble. Steelers might not get a win this whole year. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? That is so great. That would be a dream come true. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right, so here's one thing I want to talk about. I would yeah. just mention, normally this wouldn't weren't mentioning, but the Browns signed a new player to the practice squad. Mm-mm. I don't know if you saw this today. I did not. Uh, big news. Pharaoh something or another. We signed uh, tight end Pharaoh Brown to our practice squad. It's a cool name. If that name sounds familiar, it's because the guy we released from our practice squad is a tight end named Pharaoh McKever. Mm. So apparently, John's got a new Pharaoh in town. There's a new Pharaoh in town. <laughs> Um, a lot of parents are really into like Egyptian culture. <laughs> um, that's funny. How do you feel about this? Are you are you comfortable with Brown over Bekever, Mark? Well, fun fact: I just typed in Pharaoh Brown into Google search bar, and it came up Pharaoh Brown Rice. So that is not the <laughs> that is not the correct Pharaoh Brown. A, He's got to make a name for himself. So yeah. <laughs> He's also a chef on the side. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, sorry, what was the question you asked me? This is insignificant. We should not waste time on our podcast <laughs> talking about Pharaoh Brown versus Pharaoh McEver. I honestly don't know. We know nothing about, about either one. I even typed in Pharaoh Brown football, and it said, do you mean Larry? <laughs> Brown do you mean Larry Brown football? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because you can't spell Pharaoh. Uh, it's potential, <laughs> but I don't think so. How would you spell Pharaoh? 
the we, proper way. Yeah. Uh, how would that be? Go P-H-A-R-A-O-H. ahead. P H A R A O H. Well, that would be <laughs> if it was an actual pharaoh, but I've seen names spelled. Wait, were you spelling it F A R R O W? No, no W. <laughs> was there P H? There was. So I knew a guy. <laughs> no, here we go. I knew a guy named Jonathan Farrow. Yeah, but that's a last name. <laughs> it's the exact same name. Tyler's a last name, and I'm it's so also. Glad a, brought this up. Tyler's a last name. It's also a first <laughs> you, name. You wanted to stop this conversation, and this turned into a great. Tyler's thing. a last name. It's also a first name. Um, I admit don't the fact defend that, yourself. Just just admit you were wrong and I, move on. It's I, the best move for you at this point. I admit <laughs> the fact that I'm wrong. All right. So how did you spell you? You typed in F A R R O Brown into Google. Yeah, I of promise course, you. Of course, it recommended Larry Brown. You dumbass. I will. I will say this. I promise you, one hundred percent, that I spelled Brown correctly. <laughs> One hundred percent. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, so I don't. I don't know anything. Although I, I spelled. I spelled the only way that I know someone's name being spelled Pharaoh is spelled. It, it does look uh, like Pharaoh Brown is from Cleveland, Ohio. So that that has to bode well for him. He played college at or played college ball at Oregon. I, it just doesn't matter to me. Mm. I would like it if Seth the Valve could get healthy and be active in a football game. Speaking of Titans. That would be helpful, so we don't have to rely on Orson Charles to catch any passes. Did you see Orson Charles try to catch that ball? That was kind of out of bounds. So it would uncomfortable. Have, he, like, he, like, batted it and, like, didn't know what to do. He was so, like, spastic when the ball got to him. Which is funny because in college he was, like, a pass-catching tight end at yes. Georgia. And even coming out of high school. Where did he go? Bowls? I don't think he went to Bowls. Um, but is, he was a high-rated recruit. plant? Something yeah, he was from Tampa, I think. Okay, let's move on. Are we to the picks portion of our podcast? I believe so. Um, my wonderful streak has ended. I'm no longer at 100% accuracy. How devastating. Missed on that uh, New England Patriots-Detroit Lions game last night. Good for Matt Patricia. Really, like, turn things around. I'm rooting makes for a big, Matt Patricia. Like, makes a I, big difference. I love the whole vibe that guy's got going on. Do you think Matt Patricia can win a game if he doesn't know every single thing about the entire team he's playing? Yes. <laughs> what? Like, that is the reason why he beat the Patriots. Because he knew every single thing about that defense. But, and how to stop the entire offense. Because he'd been there for umpteen, however many seasons, like six so, sure, but but Belichick knew everything that he was going to try to do too. Like, like yeah, but didn't know, but didn't, yeah, sure, and, but didn't know the personnel as well as he knew their personnel. Like to know every single thing that the defense is weak at, because he was their coach last year. That's the reason why they won. It's not because it, like he could pick them apart because he knew I what mean, their it, strengths it, and weaknesses. I mean, were. it does help, but. At the end of the day, they won because they held the Patriots to ten points. Yeah, the Patriots. They, did, they didn't win because they scored twenty. You know. Um, yeah. What, yeah, what but a, he also knows the offense through and through. Like I just don't think that he, Matt Patricia, did not win the first two games like that. Like they lost to the Jets week one, and then. But I mean, he's played the Jets a million times. Like he knows he knows the Jets like the back of their hand. Not as well as he knows the team that he coached for that many years. It doesn't matter, Matt Patricia. Screwed up my perfect record. 
so dude. now I'm sitting at seven and one. Matthew's sitting at two and six. So, a respectable two and six. Mark's at four and six. So we've wait. How does how does Mark pick two more games than me? Correctly, a gentleman's four and six. You said four and six. The, the math doesn't add up. You're right. The math doesn't add up. No, it sounds right Is to me. Is it got to be at four and four or two and six? I'm not at two and six. Or three and five. Mark's. I'm four not and at four. two and six because there Mark was. Mark should be four and four. There was a year that or a week Why that I picked my... all three correct. Michael's right. Excel skills are the spreadsheet is lacking. Lacking. Clearly, spreadsheet's not doing well. Yeah. Um, we'll fix that afterwards. Ass. Yeah. No. Mark should be four and four, so he's at fifty percent. Good job, Mark. Thanks. Yeah. It's equivalent to the coin. Keeping on that coin flip pace, baby. Our three games this week. Uh, Matthew, Minnesota. Wait, Matthew, you should start flipping a coin. Nah. Well, it, I'll come back. Well, you'd be doing a lot better if you were flipping a coin. Sample size, my friend. Classic. Minnesota at LA Rams, where the Rams are favored by six and a half points. Matthew, what would be your pick for this particular game? Ooh, this is tough. The Rams have looked great. Probably one of the best teams in the league, them in Kansas City. Minnesota just came off a brutal loss to Buffalo, <clears throat> which brutal. they were favored by like 16 and a half and got blown out. But at the end of the day, that Minnesota defense is really good. I don't know if they beat the Rams, but games like this tend, I feel like, to, to kind of level out. I'm going to take Minnesota plus the points. Do you All think right. Minnesota wins the game? No. I think it's a good game. This will be a fun one to watch. Okay. So he takes Minnesota. Mark, what's your pick? The Rams haven't won by less than six points this whole year. They are absolutely dominant in every phase of the game, on paper and on film. I just – the Rams are so good. Jared Goff's playing well. Jared Goff looked ridiculous in that game like, on Sunday. If Jared Goff plays well, there's nothing that's going to stop this team. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams. Except injuries in the secondary. Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters are probably both going to miss this game. Yeah, but Shields came in and played well the rest of that game. Ooh, okay. Um, the thing that makes the biggest difference to me in this game is that it is the Rams at home. If, Minna, if this was, like, at Minnesota, I think I would feel a little bit different about it, but I'm going to go with the Rams. They've played too good for me to pick against them at this point. Rams for me. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. A nice AFC North matchup on Sunday night. Pittsburgh's at home, and they're favored by three. So Vegas is telling us these teams are pretty darn even at this point. Mark, I'll let you pick this one first. I'm looking at this Monday night game right now. Thinking I might... I'm going to go with the Steelers. I just think that they are, if they lose this game especially, and they're playing a divisional opponent, they're going to be ridiculously frustrated. I think that they have the ability to win, and I think that they're finally going to let out all of that anger. Um, I, I just Their defense isn't as good as it has been, but the Ravens aren't good enough on offense to be able to capitalize on it. So I think Big Ben's going to be able to do what it takes to get it done. It'll be interesting. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, if I had to guess. I think it's going to be a game where both teams are at least nearing the 30s. 
would be my guess. And I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I think they need it more. And when they're at home, they play a heck of a lot better. I'll take Pittsburgh to cover the three points. That's that's true, but Pittsburgh hasn't looked good about against anybody that they've played this season. They um, did in the first half of this Monday night game. Yeah, in the first half. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Baltimore. I I don't like Pittsburgh. I like Baltimore's defense better than Pittsburgh's. I like Baltimore's offense better than previous years. I have ground to make up. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't just pick the same thing that y'all pick or else I'll never come back. So we're rolling dice. Either you're digging a bigger <laughs> hole or you're coming back. One of the two. Michael's like, if I just pick the same thing as Mark every time, then he can't come back. Michael's making the first pick. And I time. have a nice buffer on Matthew. Uh, so that brings us to the Browns game. Browns at Oakland. And the Raiders are favored by two and a half points as the home team. So this one... You're going to go first. I am happy to go first. I am excited that the Oakland Raiders defense sucks balls. And that <laughs> Baker true. and that Baker gets to play against that defense in his first like true game that he's like preparing for. They have three he's not sacks gonna, all season. He, in the post-game interviews of every game... Gruden is like, yeah, we just got to find a way to get some pass rush. Yeah, they don't have pass any rush. Like, pass I rushes just, are hard to find. I just don't know why we can't get any pass rush. <laughs> uh, that Khalil Mack guy <laughs> might have been I don't good. know where a pass rush went. So, I mean, that's a great thing for a rookie quarterback. He's going to have time, and they don't even have good guys to cover in the secondary. So I just think that Baker's going to have some space and some time to do some things, and I'm really excited to watch it. Um, I've picked the Browns all year, so I'm not going anywhere different. Two and a half points. I think we're going to win the game, so the fact that Oakland is favored, it's a no-brainer to me. Browns. Mark, yeah. Matthew, do you want to go next? No, I'll, I'll, next. I'll cater to you since you're coming thanks, from behind. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, I need all the help I can get. Clearly. Uh, Flip a coin. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason to be optimistic about this Raiders team at all. Um, their offenses look bad. They're bad and they're old. Their bat, their offense is bad and old. Like their best skill position players are are Marshawn Lynch. They've got Jordan Nelson, and then Amari Cooper, who's just like lost. Like ev- last two weeks ago, he had a, a great game, but the other two weeks, he's just been somewhere else. I don't know. Um, there's no reason to be optimistic about the Raiders. Their their defense might be the worst in the league. I'm going mm-hmm. Browns. All right, Marky. I am really excited about this game to get a full game of Baker Mayfield playing, starting at quarterback, having more than a week to prepare. Um, I think this is going to be a really big game for him. Um, And I think he is the type of person that steps up to the task. Um, I'm with you, Michael, that I am excited that it's against the Raiders defense. Um, So I'm picking the Browns too. I see no reason not to pick the Browns. I have just a bundle of excitement building up inside of me for this Baker Mayfield storm. Um, And the Raiders have proven time and again that they just give games up at the end of the game. Um, They've been leading every single week, and they have given it up. So I'm hoping that we can start to build a winning mentality at the Raiders' expense. That is what I have. And Going with the Browns, too. And that's the podcast. Sure is. Sure is. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. 
Um, if you like what you hear, be sure to like us on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, leave a comment. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if you have anything we want to talk about specifically, send us an email. Sometimes we check it. Uh, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Um, or tweet at us. We actually see that all the time because it sends us push notifications on our phone. Um, thanks so much for listening, especially to all of our listeners in Tokyo. Have a great night, everybody. Go Browns. Thank you.